This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Hodgman from Top Step. And before I get into this week's podcast, I want to take a minute for us to recognize this was a wild week for markets. If this kind of volatility does not get you excited, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. This is what we dream of as traders. This is what we want. We don't talk a lot on this podcast about what we do here at Top Step, but that's kind of where I want to start this week. This week, we've had traders from all over the world taking advantage of the opportunity to trade our capital. So they're trading our money and not putting up their money and risking their own capital. A lot of traders have been trading with us for quite a while. Some are brand new into their funded account. And for example, just yesterday, uh, Justin from Texas, who's only been in his funded account for approximately a week now, made 30 handles alone in the S&P 500 on a one lot. For perspective, a one lot in the S&P, one handle is $50. He did 30 of those this week which is incredible. He's already up $3,000 in that account. So hats off to him. And uh, it's not bad at all. So if you're a futures or a Forex trader, and you're wondering how you can earn our live capital, simply go to topsteptrader.com for futures or topstepfx.com for Forex and learn about our program. It's completely objective and backed by seven year track record of guaranteed funding. All right, now let's get into this week's Rewind episode. This conversation is with Dr. Kenneth Reed a trading psychologist, coach, and trader himself. Dr. Reed started his trading career in a way that is very familiar to many of us, a blown up trading account. In this conversation with host Eddie Horn, Dr. Reed talks about those early experiences and how it shaped his trading career. It's a good reminder that your past does not have to define your progress. So without any further ado, let's throw this over to Eddie for this Rewind episode with Dr. Kenneth Reed. We've got Dr. Kenneth Reed here. He is a day trading coach with a PhD in clinical psychology. He helps active stock, futures, forex, and cryptocurrency traders achieve life-changing success. I'd like to welcome and say hello to our good friend, Dr. Kenneth Reed. Hello, doctor. Hello, Eddie. Thank you so much for having me on. Very nice to have you here. And uh, doctor, can we start with a little bit of your background. Now, I know that you found interest in trading. You have the passion in trading. Um, you've got the knowledge in psychology. Uh, give us a little insight on how you've got both of those. Well, I started trading in the dot-com boom in 1996 when trading was just first hitting the scene. There were just a few brokerages, but it was the most exciting thing around. The internet was exploding. Uh, Amazon went public. AOL was there, Cisco was there, Qualcomm was there, and these things were shooting up. And uh, I just caught the internet fever like a lot of people did, started watching CNBC, everything was so exciting. And I had been an entrepreneur, I had had a manufacturing business actually, uh, I was, I'd started it with a student loan in, in, 19, in the mid-70s, and uh, I was semi-retired at this point, and I was looking for something to do, you know, I was about uh, in my 40s, and um, it looked like a it looked like something I could do. Surprisingly, I, I didn't have a lot of success in the dot-com boom, as a lot of people found it more difficult than they expected. Uh, a lot of people maybe made money for a while and then gave it back. What, what I really remember about that that time is two things. One, the, the day that I made $5,000, 
And I remember my feet almost uh, didn't touch the ground. I thought, this is the best thing. I'm going to, this is going to be so amazing. I've picked the right career. I can do this. And then some months later, I, I lost about 30 grand in one day. And I remember just feeling just like shell shocked and beaten to the core. And, and I think that I carried that shock with me for a month or maybe even years. And um, it was my interest in psychology at the time. I was actually getting my master's degree at the time in psychology. And um, I realized that I had some psychological problems. I was uh, maybe um, kind of ADD, maybe uh, sort of trading in an addictive way. And uh, I started looking at the whole psychology of it. I was certainly on the emotional roller coaster that lots of traders get on, you know, buying high. I think on the day I, th I lost 30 grand, I was buying high. I didn't know how to short sell. <laughs> and most people didn't back then. And I think I just watched everything go down and uh, I was frozen. I went through the whole kind of um, five stages of death and dying, you know, denial and anger and bargaining and, and, and depression and that whole psychological process just was very vivid for me, and I realized that that I was caught in a psychological loop here. I, I probably didn't know enough about technicals either, but the psychology of trading was what was really killing me. And uh, so I began to, to study it uh, deliberately and um, eventually ended up with a, a PhD in clinical psych, not uh, designed particularly for, for trading, but just as a general um, background, I wanted to learn more and more about human psychology. Now, now doctor, how was the, t the turnover on that? Now, you, you were trading, you got into psychology, not for the reason of trading, but when did you mm -hmm. find the connection and uh, give you that edge? Well, very early on, actually. I, I was so into this that it was really all I did. And um, I got hired by a newsletter as a, as a professional trader and virtual portfolio manager in 2000, January of 2001, because I was able to see the bear market coming just from technical indicators I used. All of a sudden, here I was trading professionally in front of thousands of people. And I started uh, at that point realizing how important psychology was for my subscribers. Not so much for myself, because at the time, I, I really couldn't do a lot of my own trading because of compliance reasons. So I was mostly focused on helping others at that point. And I began to coach uh, traders. And that's when I started daytradingpsychology.com in, in 2001, because I realized that um, the market, this was a bear market. We were in a bear market. Okay, it started. And um I realized that people needed needed help uh, with psychology. Um, otherwise, they were going to uh, panic and sell at the bottom. And uh, that got me very excited about it, uh, about how it could help people. Right. And uh, it, it's proven that it has and a very successful recipe or formula um, that traders need to sort of uh, find. It's, it's not something that... Uh, is is very common, but uh, if you are in a situation where the mindset is just not coinciding with your actions and your beliefs and your trade and your game plan, uh, you, the psychology is something you do need to do. You do need to find out uh, about yourself a little bit. Um, doctor, I was going to ask you about your trading style. What's your trading style? Trend following. And in fact, um, one of my first books that I ever read about trading was uh, I read about the turtles. And I read William O'Neill's How to Make Money in Stocks. And 
those are both trend following methods. And it made so much sense to me. It was like, yeah, putting them into practice was more difficult for me. I don't think uh, I was very successful at holding for long periods of time. And um, that's why I really, I guess, realized that I'm more of a day trader than anything else. I do have some ADD going on, and uh, the thing about ADD is it uh, you're, you're kind of the prisoner of the moment. So uh, tomorrow's a long time away from me, and, and the present is very real and intense and um, a, a wonderful place. So there was a book called The Power of Now that came out a little a few years after that, and uh, I loved it because I realized that I, I'm in a certain way always in the now. Um, people with ADD are are more in the now than most people. So uh, day trading became my personal style, but I like to trade trends and follow trends during the day. That's sort of uh, that's how I do it. And that's why I was drawn eventually to futures because futures have the leverage to make that profitable, uh, to follow a trend just uh, just during a day. Whereas with stocks, it's not quite, uh, not quite the same level of uh, momentum and volatility. All right, doctor, thank you very much. Now, today, doctor, the topic's going to be five keys to sim trading. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, at Top Step, we obviously believe the importance of trading live on a simulator or a way to get familiar with markets. Now, can you talk a little about why trading on a simulator is crucial? Well, the most important thing in trading is to have a method when I started trading in 1996, I had no method, and I didn't know I didn't have a method. I thought just by looking at a chart that I would be able to trade. That was my assumption, <laughs> and um, I was completely and utterly wrong about that, and it cost me um, – actually, all my risk capital ended up – I think I lost about $130,000 in that process of learning to trade and learning that I didn't know how to trade. It was uh, it was painful, and many of my clients have had similar experiences. And in fact, uh, if you've only lost a hundred thousand dollars in trading, you might be in the top, you know, I don't know, twenty or thirty percent of traders. Most people have had more, more than one account blow up, whether it was in in viewer in equities, uh, your account was probably pretty large. If you were in futures, it may not be, but. Um, a lot of people have, co- have have done poorly in equities, and yet um, they think of themselves as traders um, because it's it's much harder to learn than than people think. So, um, starting in sim takes the uh, the money out of the equation, and then uh, what are you left with? You're left with uh, with a method or no method. You you've got to decide if you're going to be methodical or simply intuitive. One of the original turtles, um, his name was Curtis Faith. He was actually a math guy, and he was originally hired because he had some programming experience. But he ended up becoming very much of an intuitive trader. And he wasn't that successful after he left the turtles, I think, because of that. Your method is what keeps you safe. And it's going to keep you safe from your emotions. And it's going to keep you safe from whatever the market does. It's the only thing that will really help you as a trader. And your method needs to be objective, needs to be well-defined. You need to be able to write it out. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit when we get into the five elements of smart sim. But in in essence, the, the headline is, I think traders need a method that they can speak to somebody, including themselves, in five seconds. Talking about five seconds, it's that's not much time at all. But the thing is, no. in this business, you do not have time. 
Um, That's right. You know, it, it's it's very tough. A lot of times, you know, I've been on the trading floor for many years, and and mm-hmm. you know, you you see that deer in the headlights in, in some people, and yeah. you know, it, you don't want to see it. But the thing is, you know, you're t- you're telling yourself, well, that person didn't obviously didn't plan ahead. Uh, that person yes. wasn't thinking down the road. Uh, that person is making decisions uh, with a flip of the coin, a roll of the dice. And you got to be very careful on that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Eddie. Mm-hmm. And and my premise is that if you don't have a method that you can basically speak and understand and have it guide you in five seconds you're much more likely to become a deer in the headlights when the market does some very dramatic things. And that's what we need to prevent because those are the days when you're going to lose much more than your loss limit, much more than you plan to lose. You're going to go into the five stages of death and dying in a trade. And that uh, is going to be typically um, four figures, maybe even five figures, six figures for some traders. All right. Then, doctor, how can somebody approach sim trading? Let's rewind from, from the beginning. Approaching sim trading to make it as real of an experience as possible. I know that, you know, I talked to a lot of traders, do the broadcast, and, you know, some of them can sort of follow along with those rules as, mm-hmm. you know, the money, if you think the money's real, it's, it's only a sim. Some have mm-hmm. that gamification where you know the money's not real it's just a sim i mean there's just such a night and day there where uh, if you want the success you'll mm-hmm. you, you'll uh, you'll have that sim account and believe that the money is coming out of your pocket and you'll you'll trade uh, you know you're not going to be trading bigger size you're going to be uh, more on a professional level you're going to be thinking mm-hmm. out your plan you're going to have the game plan how can somebody approach sim trading like that well yes you You've got to stop thinking about the money. I think you have to stop thinking about the money when you're trading live, too. Um, but, yes, you have to stop thinking about the money when you're trading SIM. Um, I've heard comments from former pit traders disparaging SIM. Okay, And the upshot of their argument is that SIM is for sissies. And, and to some extent, it's true. People do hide out in SIM. Um, it's a place for some people to lick their wounds from live trading, kind of an R&R thing. And I can understand that. I've done it myself. Other people use it for entertainment, kind of like fantasy trading, to make themselves feel better about their abilities. You know, like, oh, I made $5,000 in SIM today because I was trading 20 contracts, you know. And other people fool themselves into thinking that they're actually practicing when trading SIM, like they should be. But they trade in too casual a manner, so it's not really disciplined or effective. So the bottom line is, if you're not consistently profitable or if you are an aspiring trader and you want to prove to um, top step that you are potentially consistently profitable, then SIM can be very useful, but you can't hide out, you can't entertain yourself, and you can't be casual about it. You just simply can't. Instead, what I recommend people do is something I call smart SIM, okay? And it consists of five elements that we can talk about whenever you're ready. Okay, just a few more questions here, and then we'll go to Mm -hmm. the, the five keys. How can somebody at the same time view the sim as a place to experiment without getting frustrated? Well, it's a great place to experiment. Great place to experiment. If you have a new method, a new system, a new something, a new market, um, trade it in sim. Absolutely. If you pay attention to the feedback the market is giving you, then you'll learn something. Frustration is about expect is about having expectations. And uh, your job when you're in sim is to learn um, what the market is trying to teach you, 
uh, what Mark is trying to tell you about your itself and about your method. So become a student rather than um, having expectations about uh, what you think should happen. Right. Now, uh, time-wise, how long should somebody look to be in a simulator and how would I build confidence to go to live trading? When can you actually be honest with yourself? Don't shortcut it and get that green light. I like to use platforms that have um, good uh, statistics on them. Uh, NinjaTrader, TradeStation have um, account manager software in there that can show you about 20 or 30 different things about your trading every day. So start studying it. Look at your look at your equity profiles, look at your profit factors, look at your largest win versus largest loss, look at the time in trades, look at all the parameters that they can give you to help study yourself. This is like in tennis, my sport, uh, putting up a video camera and watching yourself hit the ball. We really have a a self-deception process most of the time in most things we do. (laughs) <laughs> that's where you learn to study oh, psychology. Yeah. And Freud was right. You know, it's like most people are in denial about what's really going on. It's true. So in trading, it's going to cost you if you're that, if you're in denial. So you want to get as much objective evidence as possible. And then the uh, the trade managers, the, uh, the programs that are built in that will help you do that are essential. You want to have an equity curve that goes from the lower left to the upper right. You want to be able to see the kind of drawdowns you have. You, you can tell whether you're consistent or not. You need to trade exactly in sim like you're going to trade live, okay, if it's one contract or it's two contracts or whatever. And I recommend you start small. You want to look at your profit factor. You want to look at your app, your maximum drawdown. You want to look at how long you're in a trade. I mean, are you in a trade for a minute? Or are you in a trade for an hour? What does it say about your level of patience? Is the is the equity curve uh, smooth or is it ragged? If it's ragged, you're pro- maybe you're over trading or you're being impulsive. How many trades do you have in a day? Do you have 20 or 30 or 50 or do you have like three or five? Very different. Use that feedback. That feedback is essential. It's the only thing you really have to help you. All right. And then last question. Once I get to that, that funded account, that live account, Mm -hmm. real money account, how would I start off on the right foot to be strong, Mm -hmm. to uh, uh, not get shot down, not to lose confidence, but to build the confidence and to see some winning trades? One of the things I recommend is, um, and it may sound kind of funny to you, is to uh, go back and forth between sim and live and do it so often that you that you stop keeping track of it. So like change every 15 minutes or something like that to the point where it starts to become almost humorous, almost ludicrous. It's like, well, here's the same market. Now I'm in sim, now I'm in live, now I'm in sim, now I'm in live, sim, live, sim, live, sim, live, oh hell. And, right. and that's a trick. It's just a little trick. It may not work for everybody. But if you're nervous about being live, some people are not nervous at all about being live. They just want to jump right in. But if you're nervous about going live, then alternate to the point where you realize that it's just that it's that the constant and all of that is you. And you'll stop thinking about the money and you'll stop thinking about live or sim and you'll just be trading. And that's the place you want to be. It's exactly. You, you said that perfectly. All right. Well, doctor, I need to know these keys to sim trading. I want to succeed. I've got the passion. Um, I love this. I love trading. I love the career. I want to progress. I want to be successful. Help me out. Well, you're really, you're really smart and wise to start with sim. 
Okay, and I think that's what's great about Top Step. It starts people that way. So you you get a green a red light or a green light at the end of the end of the combine, and if you understand what I call smart sim, the principle number one in that is that the best use of sim is to facilitate something called deliberate practice. And I'm going to recommend that your listeners Google that con- Google that term, deliberate practice, because it's actually kind of a technical term now in coaching and in performance psychology. Deliberate practice is a type of practice where you break complicated things down into small solvable problems or procedures. It's the reason for the breakthrough in sports performance in the 20th century. It's how Olympic athletes right now constantly raise the bar such that a medalist, an Olympic medalist from 10 years ago, would probably not even qualify for many Olympic events today. That's what, we, what we're noticing. Okay, And this unstoppable progression is like really clear right now in diving and figure skating. There's a figure skater named Nathan Chen. He's, uh, I guess he's Chinese, but he's a, he's a U.S. guy. And he is now being able to jump and do four full turns in the air before he lands in his figure skating. This was considered impossible a year ago. A year ago. It's a breakthrough. But I'll tell you, in a year, half a dozen people will be doing it. And in, and in two or three years, it'll become a standard for <clears throat> the uh, figure skating performance. <clears throat> the same thing's going on in diving. People that uh, meddled 15 years ago in diving wouldn't even make the team right now because back then they were doing one and a half somersaults and now they're doing four or three and a half. Same kind of thing as in figure skating. So smart sim is about deliberately practicing a skill, <clears throat> a particular skill. The principle number two about it is to focus on process, not outcome. Process, not outcome. When we remove risk, we do, like we do in sim, it's much easier to do that because it, when we're live, it's hard not to focus on the money. It's hard not to think about the money. I'm up 200, I'm down 200, I'm up 1,000, I'm down 1,000. Deliberate practice is like micromanaging, but in a constructive way. When we micromanage a live trade, and people often do, we're usually trading not to lose or trading not to give back. It's uh, driven by fear and greed, which is always counterproductive. But in deliberate practice, we're micromanaging based on process, not outcome, without emotion. Um, principle number three in Smart Sim is to drill down to core elements, drill down. Now, deliberate practice is very focused, specific practice often on one of the smaller building blocks of a larger process. So your larger process is trading, say, trading a trend. But you have to drill down to the building blocks of your method or your edge to actually practice that. What are You have to identify what are those building blocks, okay? And I'll give you a non-trading example first in tennis, which is my sport. We have a stroke in tennis called the forehand, okay? A forehand can be broken down actually into 20 or 30 or more elements that um, you can pay attention to because they can all be optimized. And I'll give you a quick list, okay? You can work on your shoulder turn, your hip rotation, your take back, your non-dominant hand position, your follow-through, your contact point, your weight shift, your breathing, your grip, your gaze point, the angle of your racket, your elbow angle, your wrist angle, your court position, your target, your strike path, the kinetic change, your recovery steps, etc. That's 18 elements off the top of my head. And there's more. So once you practice these sufficiently in tennis, they move into muscle memory and you do the right thing automatically. And that's what we call unconscious competence, right? 
and you need it in tennis because in tennis you have about one to two seconds to prepare to execute your shot from the time your opponent hits his or her ball. And in, in pros, it's about 400 milliseconds. That's the amount of time you have to prepare and know what the hell you're doing. So you can see why you don't have time to think in tennis, really, think much, and trading is just like that. If you think too much in trading, you hesitate, and you're probably going to be late, you're going to complexify stuff, you're going to confuse yourself. So the fourth principle on smart sim is to simplify, simplify, simplify. And to me, the holy grail of trading is simplicity. Honestly, that's it. Simple doesn't mean easy. It's usually harder for traders to stop doing all the unnecessary things we do than to do the right simple thing. And in fact, in my coaching, most of the time, what we're working on is taking stuff away, taking right. stuff away. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Do less, do less, do less, do less. You know, you mm-hmm. don't mind if I just jump in yeah. here? I know that know. since we're electronic trading, we've got mm-hmm. so much information in front of us. Yeah. We've got charts up. We've got uh, we've got the wire going. We've got news going. We've got oh, this everything. and that. And sometimes, like you said, simple, simple, simple. Uh, sometimes we've got too much in front of us to really focus on uh, the trades in front of us. And I, I definitely got to point that out. It's well said. Yeah, and I think uh, in your experience, you can tell me if I'm right here. Um, when you were a pit trader, you had a relatively simple environment. You could see people. You could see the other traders. You knew what was happening with the big traders. You knew who they were. You could hear. You could feel the wave of emotion uh, was like being in a live animal. You would get a sense for whether the market was ready to move or just chopping around, whether it was excited, whether it was afraid. You could feel all that in your body. You didn't have to think so much. Is that right? You, you know, what I can compare it to is like if you're on the baseball field, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, you play the game. We've all, we've all played a, a sport whether uh, very competitive or just for fun and, and so forth. Uh, but if you want to talk about what we're seeing now is play that sport uh, with an announcer that's got stats standing right next to you and telling you everything about mm-hmm. what's going on here. How many times has he hit it to third base? Uh, how many times has he got to first base within the last two games? I mean, there's, I mean, I can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and electronic trading can be like that, uh, and you overburden yourself. When it was in the pit, it was there was some uh, some rules. Uh, like one of the things is snooze you lose. That was a, a saying on the trading floor. Snooze you lose, and it was so right because the thing is, if you if you got out of focus, you know, expect a loss or expect to miss something, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that would be said. You know, you miss a trade. That snooze you lose. You know, not in a facetious way, but. Just a little reminder, hey, you know what, pay attention if you're in the pit. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there was there was different processes, how you would uh, interpret uh, when somebody yelled a bid. What's in there? You know, that would be said. What's in there? Give me a bid. Give me an offer. Then you would sort of turn on your sales side or your buy side. Or, you know, you'd, you'd tell the phone clerks at Goldman or at Morgan, uh, hey, we got some sellers coming in. Get me a bid. We got some buyers here. Give me an offer. Um so there was there was the process. You knew what to do, you know, like your mind muscle. You know, it was just it was something that when you when you heard this, this is how you reacted. When you saw that, this is how you reacted. So yes. Well, with screen trading in particular, uh, because there's so many options, um, you can't select a skill to practice if you haven't defined your method first as a collection of skills. And the problem is that most methods are way too complicated for screen traders or too discretionary, and they remain that way forever. Uh, I had one client recently, after we worked together for a little while, he said, 
he recognized this. He said, when I started, I had a theory, not a method. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that was just so perfectly said. And he had a beautiful set of indicators that he paid a lot of money for. And his mentor, who invented some of the indicators, um, she couldn't help him because she was a great futures trader, actually, mostly CL. But she was not a great teacher. And she was unconsciously competent. I think, you know, she was she she could trade. She traded well, but she was unconsciously competent. She had forgotten how she learned what she learned. She'd forgotten all the basics. They were just it's just part of an automatic process for her, how she saw the world. But he needed skill development. He needed basic skill development. We had to go back to the basics with this guy. And so, again, when I work with somebody, I ask them to write down their trading method, and they sometimes give me pages, and I say, oh, but I'm looking for one sentence. Can you just give me your method in one sentence, please? And they go, are you kidding Uh, me? Right. Are you kidding me? But honestly, if you can't pitch your method to your own brain in an elevator in five seconds, you won't be able to remember what you do when you're alive, when it really matters, when people are shooting bullets at you. and you're going to limit your consistency, therefore, because you can't conce- you can't achieve consistency if your method varies as much as the market varies, obviously, right? Exactly. So here's an example of a specific deliberate practice in trading, okay? I have a client actually lives in an RV, okay? He's mobile. He trades in his RV, drives around the country. How about that? He's retired. He's trades the NQ. He's on a 30-second chart with a couple of moving averages. I moved him from a one-minute to a 30-second. So now, it actually the NQ actually looks kind of trendy on a 30-second chart. So what's his practice? He, he hates oscillators. He can't use an oscillator. Nothing on his chart except price and a couple of moving averages. So his practice is drawing trend lines in real time and entering near the 20 EMA on a trend line break in the direction of the trend. Okay, so I just told you his method in five seconds. He draws a trend line in real time and enters near the 20 EMA on a trend line break in the direction of trend. That's it. Five seconds. Okay. now here's the fifth principle of smart sim. Keep it stupid, simple kiss. Okay. the fifth and final principle. Keep it stupid, simple. So you might say that the moving average method that this client is practicing is a fifth grader method. And uh, you'd be right. I would say, yeah, that's true. But I'll tell you this thing. It's also about 50% of the trading method of the best futures trader I ever met, whose name is Michael Bork. He trades for CFRN. And if you can't do something basic like this and execute it absolutely perfectly in real time with real money every time and not miss out like you're talking about, you know, like in the pit, which is what Michael does across six markets simultaneously, you don't succeed you, you won't succeed at fancier trading methods. You won't succeed at uh, compli- anything more complicated. So I'll leave with I'll leave it you know with like this. Keep it stupid simple, okay? Or a fifth grader is going to outtrade you. That's the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true for me. It's true for me, and I can't be the only one. No, you know it. It, it makes complete sense. Keeping it simple, it, it, mm-hmm. you're making it easier on yourself. Okay. Much. much. Um, there's there's more to reading charts and watching the wire and god i mean there's just so many angles and and views of trading um but yeah. it, the the easier you make it 
the mm-hmm. quicker you're going to see success. And uh, I, I love those five. But, Doctor, before we move on, mm-hmm. I've got some fun questions that I want to ask you. But can we okay. just go over the five real quick again? Yeah, One, sure. two, three, four, five. Yeah, and if people want to email me, I, I can send them this uh, this little presentation. But number one is understand that smart sim is about facilitating deliberate practice. Number one. Number two, second principle: focus on process, not outcome. That's what's going to happen if you get into deliberate practice. Number three: drill down to the core elements. You have to know what they are. The core elements of your method. Just thinking about that is going to be helpful for a lot of people. Number four, simplify, simplify, simplify. Because if you have a list of core elements that goes down for a page, it's way too many. It's not it's not workable. Okay. Simplify, simplify, simplify. And the last the last element is keep it simple. Because what happens, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've simplified my trading over 16 years. Oh, wait, 21 years. 22 years. I've simplified it, I don't know, a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And what happens? The weeds grow. All of a sudden, I've, I've got, you know, my charts all cluttered up. You know, because I've got this new fancy indicator I like or this new fancy something. Well, keep it stupid simple. It's my final, it's my final principle. And you should use it in SIM and you should use it live. Because whatever you do in SIM, if you can go through these processes in SIM, you're going to incorporate them in your live trading. Your live trading will stay clean and pristine and, and, and focused and pure. Do all your development, all your experimentation, and all this growth process and your deliberate practice. Do it in sim. Don't practice. You shouldn't practice live. Don't practice live. Live is about performance. This is the other thing I could do another little um, podcast on this. But trading live is a performance sport. It is about just like playing a tennis match. When you're in a tennis match, you don't change anything. You don't experiment. You don't take low odds trades. And you try not to think about the score. You try to get in a state of flow. You're not experimenting with anything. You are trying to execute perfectly. That's how people should trade live. In sim, you have a whole bunch of things you can do to learn and improve and develop unconscious competence. Well, doctor, thank you very much for that. And uh, those are five. Write those down. I know we're going to uh, we'll get some information on the doctor and where to uh, contact him in a little bit. But, uh, Doc, I got some fun questions. You up for some fun? Fire away. All right. Now, um, you've got a passion in trading. Uh, you've got an education in psychology, and you've got a passion in psychology. You've educated yourself in trading. I, I love both of those. It's like uh, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, we'll all be happy. So perfect, uh, perfect combination. Now, talk about trading, all right? Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about your scariest trade you've ever mm-hmm. made. What's the scariest trade you've ever made? Well, I, I think the trade that I made in 96 when I lost 30,000, I don't know if that was one trade or more, but that was my scariest, probably my scariest trade. But I don't remember much about it, actually. It was so long ago. But what I would share with you is something we talked about, uh, you and I, a little bit before the broadcast started, is uh, I'm currently mostly trading crypto. And um, my scariest trade was my most successful trade. And um I was very long Bitcoin in 2017, and um, Bitcoin is going up and down uh, a lot. It does that. And in the fall, <clears throat> I, I had um, basically 
a fairly large position in August. And Bitcoin starts going uh, going up pretty fast. Then it starts correcting. It corrected, I think, twice, about 50%. I was able to hold through all that and eventually uh, sold in December. And it was the best trade I'd ever made in my life on anything. And I actually was up one day like 64 grand on the trade. It, it was pretty heady. The whole thing was pretty heady. But I was scared the whole time. And at the same time, I was telling myself, stick with the trend and do all the things that I, ta- that I coach my students to do. And I was actually able to do them I, probably one, for the first time in my life as successfully as this. And um, so it was uh, it's the one the trade I'm most proud of and also the one I was most afraid in. And I did. I really tried to work with myself in, and not think about the money. Uh, I didn't um, I didn't really look at my at my balance very much. Um, I focused on the technicals and um, that helped a lot. Yeah, it's definitely a sign of a professional when you can filter out the noise and mm-hmm. uh, you know just focus on what is most important, the priority of this action. So very yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, Doctor, here in the broadcast booth, uh, Top Step Trader, we have uh, purchased we've purchased a time machine. And uh, I would like to take you for a ride. Now, Doctor, uh-huh. uh, we're going to go back in time, and we're going to meet you back in time. Now, mm-hmm. I'd like to know what you're going to be telling yourself, the one thing as you started out. What would that be? I found, as a trader, that was uh, that became very active. I was over-trading. I was over-trading throughout my early years. I probably over-traded for 10 years, my first 10 years, just too much. I, I, I would do my taxes uh and you know it would be like 20 or 30 pages of trades and i would tell myself to slow down and um trade much less just trade much less and if i if i figured out how to do that i would be solving a lot of problems uh in order to get to that one result thank you doctor uh next question what's your favorite toy i don't actually play with toys but i would say that in along those lines, tennis is my, I would say my favorite toy would be a tennis racket, I guess you could say. Um, and um, I actually have a collection of wood tennis rackets that have been used by professional players, you know, in matches. And um, I have about uh, 10 or 15 of them. And um, they're still strung with the original string. You know, you you could still play with these rackets. Actually, uh, for Halloween, this past Halloween, I, I went to the party as uh, Bjorn Borg and I had his jacket on and, you know, I had a wig on and, and I had a racket that he had played with. Wow. And and um, yeah, which I ended up using kind of as an air guitar all night. Uh, but uh, that's uh, I, I love tennis. And one of the things that I've just been struck by is how the parallels between tennis and trading. And so um, I have. Uh, I have coaches, you know, I have tennis coaches. I, I get coaching actually every week in tennis, even though I've never made a dime in tennis because it's important to me. Uh, it's important to get better. I think everybody feels that way about trading. Um, it's important to improve. And so that's the, that's my favorite toy right now. All right. Thank you, doctor. All right, doctor. Uh, now I know that uh, a lot of people listening are like, uh, where can we get a hold of Dr. Ken? Now, um, where can people find you online? Daytradingpsychology.com has been my website for 15 years or more. Daytradingpsychology.com. 
And my email is doc at that web at that website address, DOC. All right, DOC at daytradingpsychology.com. Now, if, if you can, check out the website. There is a lot of information, a lot of free information. Um, and uh, sign up, subscribe, and uh, get a hold of the doctor. I, I'm, I'm very happy that we had the time today to talk. Dr. Kenneth Reed, Ph.D., and uh, as you did mention uh, towards the end of our conversation, we got uh, some more uh, topics for another podcast. So I really hope that we can get you back on here, Doctor, and uh, continue with uh, the education and the insight. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, best of luck uh, to all your listeners. All right. Once again, daytradingpsychology.com. Thank you, Doctor. Take care. And there you have it. Mick, love his idea of deliberate practice. Deliberate practice. The reason that sim trading is unsuccessful if you don't treat it like real money. And, uh, you know, the thing is on that, you're just setting yourself up to fail. You are. If if you're trading casually because it's um, on a simulated account, right. um, I don't really think of that as practice. Uh, you you have the sim account to trade your strategy and practice your strategy, and there's nothing casual about trading. Um, that's kind of self-deception. You could probably relate this to professional sports mm-hmm. and how if yeah. you want to become you know, better at whatever, whatever you know, your position right. is, you can't just play around. You need to work really hard on that skill and you know, practice that specific skill set for whatever position you are in in sports. Right. And the thing is, too, it's it's something that you cannot shortchange yourself. You can't cheat yourself. This is something that needs to be done, and, and a lot of traders understand that. And on the other hand, a lot of traders do not understand that, and that's why they're getting hit pretty hard. But, um, hey, what about some takeaways on this interview? Mick, you got anything? One example is, you know, the, the $5,000 gain versus the $30,000 loss in a day. Um, obviously, this is a pretty bad ratio. Um, you know, discipline's paramount. So it's great that he realized that he was trading in an addictive way. Obviously, sad that it cost him, uh, I think it was $130,000 to realize that. But the idea that most traders have had more than one account blow up is probably true. Um, you know, a lot of traders go through accounts, and usually it's early on that they go through these accounts with those big losses. So, you know, a big loss is probably one of the best ways you could learn what not to do and how to make adjustments going forward. You know, and, and two, if you are trading and you do get hit big and you do continue, uh, you know, there's a lot of stories about traders that, that are taking huge hits. And, you know, my question is, you know, why are you still in the business? You know, haven't you learned your lesson? But, you know, what, what prevails there is the passion, the dream, um, you know, the goal, the targets, the objective. This is what I want to do. So a lot of traders, they'll take some steps back and they'll reevaluate. They'll get back on the horse and uh, they'll try again. You've always got to take steps back when you get a big hit because, you know, one big hit can lead to another if you don't pump the brakes. And, you know, after a couple big hits, some people just might not be able to survive. Right. You know, it sort of reminds me of a, a Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee quote, and which makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 10, times. times. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So if you put your trading towards uh, at least leaning 
towards that quote, you start to see some light. Mm-hmm. What else did you get from this, Mick? Well, I liked um, how he brought up the idea that you shift to focus on a good process as opposed to good outcomes. Um, the process, outcomes are derivatives or they're byproducts of good process. And a lot of times we can trick ourselves into thinking we're doing well trading when the market's um, acting right. But I think what we need to really focus on instead is outlining what those processes are and then trading with them. Right. It's almost like scratching a lottery ticket and winning and going, hey, I got skill. Yeah, I got skill <laughs> right. at scratching here, scratch my back. Yeah. Um, but no, that, I mean, that's uh, it, it's all a setup. It's all a process. And you got that right, Mick. How about any anything else here from one, Doctor? One last thing I liked. Um, he yeah. said, you, you know, keep thing, keeping things simple is great and know what you do well. What is your niche? What kind of participant am I going to be in this larger market? You know, am I a scalper? Am I a trend follower? Um, something like that. You need to you need to find out where your place is in these markets and and stay there. Right. You know, he did mention the the, the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. All right. And you know, I think when I first started in the business electronic trading, that was mentioned, and that was a good basis to go off of. I mean, nowadays, you know. Uh, I talked to Dr. Ken about uh, how traders now, we've got, uh, you know, we've got, we've got the hot wire, we've got charts, we've got news, we've got flashes, we've got, I mean, everything's in front of us now. And it sometimes, you know, that can be too much. It could be overwhelming and we don't realize that. And that's one of the points here. Keep it simple until you master it, until you feel comfortable with it, until you start seeing some profits and some winning trades. And then you sort of add on a little here and a little there. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yes. Now that we're all in front of computers trading and not standing down on the floor with our cards in one hand and our pen in the other, we have, you know, there's all these charts and indicators and setups. There's a lot of information that we can use to um, process trade decisions. But, you know, like you said, keep it simple. You could, right. you know, I think someone who's got a few good indicators that they've been using well over the course of years and they understand them is going to fare much better than someone who's pulling up and trying a new indicator or a new two indicators every single week and trying to crunch too much information. Um, the markets go in, you know, three directions, up, down, and sideways. sideways. And, you know, find something that'll help you get an idea of what direct the direction for the day is. Right. That's key. Find something. Find something that works. Embrace it. Use it for success. Use it until it doesn't work. Mick, great having you back here in the broadcast booth. And uh, thanks for joining me again here, brother. Oh, yeah. It was my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. All right, traders. Thanks for spending some time with us. If you like this interview, check out others on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Also, it would really help us out if you leave a rating or review. You can always provide us feedback at limitup at topsteptrader.com. I'm Eddie Horn. Talk to everyone next time. Take care. See you, Mick. Adios, Eddie. Editing and post-production on this episode was done by Dante32.
Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.